Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Rest it's Wednesday. Sure enough. Hump day. 100%. Yeah, people, people don't, don't even, even realize. No, I mean realize, but now they know. Yeah. They're tuning in the text talk, and um, we give them that little bit of hope to say, "Hey, downhill from here." It's the middle of the week, and everything's <laughs> going to just get better. I probably shouldn't say that. We probably people probably don't associate text talk with downhill from here. <laughs> they associate it with how long? Yeah. Oh, how, how long? long? They, they they list it on two times speed, <laughs> two and times they're like, speed. "Well, we get down this hill pretty quick." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's just jump into Psalm 94 then. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. O Lord, the God of vengeance, O God of vengeance, let your glorious justice shine forth. Arise, O judge of the earth, give the proud what they deserve. How long, O Lord? How long will the wicked be allowed to gloat? How long will they speak with arrogance? How long will these evil people boast? They crush your people, Lord, hurting those you claim as your own. They kill widows and foreigners and murder orphans. The Lord isn't looking, they say. Besides, the God of Israel doesn't care. Think again, you fools. When will you finally catch on? Is he deaf, the one who made your ears? Is he blind, the one who formed your eyes? He punishes the nations. Won't he also punish you? He knows everything. Doesn't he also know what you are doing? The Lord knows people's thoughts. He knows they are worthless. Joyful are those you discipline, Lord, those you teach with your instructions. You give them relief from troubled times until a pit is dug to capture the wicked. The Lord will not reject his people. He will not abandon his special possession. Judgment will again be founded on justice, and those with virtuous hearts will pursue it. Who will protect me from the wicked? Who will stand up for me against evildoers? Unless the Lord had helped me, I would soon have settled in the silence of the grave. I cried out, I am slipping! But your unfailing love, O Lord, supported me. When doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. Can unjust leaders claim that God is on their side? Leaders whose decrees permit injustice? They gang up against the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. But the Lord is my fortress. My God is the mighty rock where I hide. God will turn the sins of evil people back on them. He will destroy them for their sins. The Lord our God will destroy them. He will destroy them. We read the ESV, and that was wipe out, Mm -hmm. uh, cut off in the New King James, and destruction now, destroy them in the NLT. Yes. And so calling on the God of vengeance and the assurance that God will respond and respond swiftly. So I'm struck today by... uh, in verse 8, I guess, 8, 9, 10, uh, an attitude is addressed that people think that God doesn't see what they do, God doesn't hear what they do. Um, I, I just I love the way it's done rhetorically. Verse 9, he who planted the ear shall he not hear, he who formed the eye shall he not see, he who instructs the nation shall he not correct. And I think what a beautiful contrast here between the true God and idols. Yes. The idols, the false gods, they're deaf. They don't hear what's going on. They don't see and they don't speak. But God hears. And how do we know that? 
he made ears and God sees, he made eyes and God speaks, he instructs and he gives wisdom to those who are foolish. In Psalm 115 and then also later in Psalm 135, we find a description of idols and it's just what you just said made me think of this. Yeah, yeah. In Psalm 115 and verse four, their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak eyes but do not see yes they have ears but do not hear noses but do not smell they have hands but do not feel feet but do not walk and they do not make a sound in their throats those who make them become like them so do all who trust in them Mm. and the idea of course is is that when they set up their statues this gives this gives a limitation for them about the god that they believe in And when you have eyes that don't see, ears that don't hear, what happens is if that's what you worship, you're going to become like that. Become like that. Jesus actually commented on this. When the blind follow the blind, they both fall into the ditch. Yeah, that's right. And that's, that is a little bit of a callback to that idolatry, even though he's talking about listening to blind teachers. When you're, when you're idolizing bad teachers, you end up becoming blind like them. So I, I guess with kind of some of that in mind, I see here in this psalm that men are acting as if God is just some idol. Well, verse right? 7, the Lord does not see. Mm-hmm. The God of Jacob does not perceive. Yeah, yeah, God's acting like an idol. We we can we can cover him up. We can mm-hmm. we can hide from we can hide this from him. One of the one of the things I noticed is uh several aspects of the wickedness being discussed here are things that the true God abhors. Uh when I read in Proverbs chapter 6, In verse 16, these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven, an abomination to him. Verse 17 was a proud look. And uh, it is pride that is called out in verse two of our psalm today. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, a lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood. And there are many examples of the powerless that we've talked about or the innocent that seem to be oppressed in our psalm today. They kill the widow and the sojourner and murder the fatherless. Uh Uh-huh. That uh-huh. may be hyperbole. It's hard for me to grasp folks just doing that. And yet again, it may not be hyperbole. That that may actually literally be happening. Well, I mean, it's that's the picture of tyranny, isn't it? Yeah. That they don't care about even the weak. Yes. In uh, Proverbs 6 continues in verse 8, a heart that devises wicked plans. And when this psalm talks about... Uh, iniquity in the laws that the government is compromised right and and he says that he will not have any fellowship with the upright god i think it's verse 20 talks about that well because here's devising wickedness feet that are running swift uh, to evil a false witness who speaks lies one who sows discord among brethren and i'm not saying it's point for point but there is just an awful lot of these things god absolutely hates that are spoken to in one way or another in this psalm. And so the psalmist, I think, rightly is saying, God, bring the vengeance. I know you hate these things. They specifically declare God doesn't see, he doesn't, and and the the NLT had him saying he doesn't care. Mm, All right, so the ESV, it's he doesn't see and he doesn't perceive. And our psalmist attacks that directly. He he attacks that they are saying it as if they can get away with it. Mm-hmm. And then what they're saying is that he doesn't see. And he says, look, he gave you eyes. Do you think he can't see? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. now you've said this thing as if he can't hear you. He gave you ears. Do you think he can't hear? 
Uh, he judges the nations. And I do think the, the point that he's making here is that if he disciplines the nations, do you think he will not discipline us? Do you like think the, he will not discipline the our covenant nation? people? Yes. His family? If he's the judge of the earth, he is also our judge. Yeah. And here's, look, he knows, he knows that your thoughts are worthless. He know, they are but a breath. In other words, this thought mm-hmm. that God doesn't hear and doesn't see is a useless thought. Those who are practicing wickedness believe they have come up with a justification, come up with a defense, come up with a reason. It makes sense to them. You know, I did it and I didn't get struck yeah. by lightning, and so it must be okay. God doesn't care about this or doesn't see it. And that is the epitome of foolishness, right? Uh, isn't it Psalm fourteen one that the fool has said in his heart there is no God? There is no God, and I believe and when we talked about that, these people are sure acting like there is no God. I think when we talked about that one two years ago, we pointed out it may not actually be a theological atheism, but a practical, practical atheism. Practical atheism that even though in their in in their lips they say they believe in God, in their actions they show that they don't. Yeah. He doesn't see what I'm doing. He doesn't hear what I'm doing. So I'm going to keep on. Paul had read Psalm ninety four. Oh, yeah. And so in First Corinthians chapter three, when he's talking about the foolish foolishness of men and mm-hmm. the wisdom of God, yes. the of God, wisdom of God and folly of men and all, all those. Uh, he actually quotes Psalm 94 and verse 11. So I'm, I'm going to start in First yeah. Corinthians chapter three and verse 18. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of the world is folly with God, for it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. So let no one boast in them, excuse me, so let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or present or future, all are yours. And you are Christ's and Christ is God's. Mm. He says, don't boast in men. So there he quotes it, and he's actually quoting from the Septuagint, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Here are people, and and Paul is speaking tongue-in-cheek. I mean, would you agree when he says, he, he says this about the wise? They're not actually wise. They right. think they're wise. Yes, that's he's, the thing. So here are these w- wise men mm-hmm. as far as the world is concerned, and God says, I know about their thoughts. Their thoughts are futile. Yeah. They come up with defenses. They come up with excuses. They come up with justifications. They come up with reasons, and the world bows down and says, oh, wow, did you hear what so-and-so said? Yeah. Did you hear what this great wise person said? This must be true. And God says, no, look, that's all foolishness. That is all foolishness. Now, if you really want to be wise, you're going to have to become a fool. Again, speaking tongue in cheek. What he means is you're going to have to become a fool before men. People are going to think you're a fool when, in fact, you are wise when you accept God. Embracing godly wisdom. Embracing godly wisdom. First of all, just embracing that God is. Now, there's a great portion of our world that says you're a fool if you believe that God is. Correct. Believing that he rewards those who diligently seek Mm -hmm. him. There are a great number of people that think you're a fool if you act like that. Believing that he punishes those who rebel against him. There are a great number of people that are going to think you're a fool. Uh, So when we live God's ways because we believe God is, because we believe Jesus came into the world, because we believe he died and he resurrected, a significant portion of our world says, fool, you are foolish for that. But God says, no, this is great wisdom. Yeah. And so Paul calls on Psalm 94 to make that claim that, look, God knows the wisdom of men and the wisdom of men does not measure up. Not at all. It's a great challenge to get people to think I guess, biblically, to think in this way. 
I've already gone to Romans 12 uh, in an earlier discussion this week, looking at how vengeance is the Lord's. But even as we're talking about this, I'm reminded of how this chapter begins. I beseech you, brethren, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And it actually is a renewal of the mind to appreciate godly wisdom and that it will cut against the grain. As long as we buy into the futility and even foolishness of the great sages of our age and culture, which is always going to be an age and a culture ultimately antagonistic to God because God's kingdom uh, is insurgent in these cultures, right? Our mind has to be changed. Our mind has to be changed. We have to be transformed. I, I, I hope I'm not taking a left turn here, but as you're reading that passage, tying it together with wisdom and folly, I think about like the great wisdom of our age says, Andrew, you just be you. Oh, just yeah. be you. Mm-hmm. Just be who you are. But what Paul said inspired by God is no don't be you be transformed from who you are exactly. be transformed to become like Jesus yeah. and the interesting thing is is that there are so many Christians that have bought into that and baptized it they find little verses that they think go along with that I know there's individuality I know you have gifts that I don't have and you need to work in those gifts and I need to work in mine and that's fine but the scripture really says the wisdom is you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind so do I everyone does so there's this funny little meme that says Always be yourself, unless you could be Batman, and then always be Batman. <laughs> and it, you know, and we kind of joke with that. And why is that? Well, because Batman's cool, and Batman's better than I am. In all here, seriousness, here. always be yourself, unless you can be like Christ. Yes. Then always be like Christ. And that is the hope and the opportunity of the gospel, to be transformed into something so much better. Be like Christ. And, you know, say, unless you can be like that. And the thing is, is that by the power and grace of Christ, we can. Amen. And I think maybe the problem is we realize I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And so we buy into the human wisdom that says that since I can't do it, well, then it got, God must not care about that. Yeah. No, God does care. That's why he sent Jesus, because you can't do it. On your own, you can do nothing unless we abide in Christ. But if we abide in Christ by yeah. him... We can do all things. Amen. Like like Paul wrote, it's it was Christ in me. Now it's Christ lathering, but our time is up. <laughs> so I guess we why don't we go ahead and close with a prayer, brother? Our great God and Father, thank you, Lord, so much for today. Uh, this Psalm ninety four, as we've been reading and talking about it, Father, it, it teaches us, it humbles us to respect who you are uh, in vengeance in justice but father to be reminded we don't need to to perpetuate foolishness and futility of our own thoughts help us to be aware help us to be awakened to that that we might pursue your truth true wisdom and and be transformed by it help us father to to be like christ and to tarry and wait for you faithfully for your return in jesus name we pray amen amen thanks for talking about the text with us today I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. 
please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.